In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Over the last several months, perhaps even a year, I've made an attempt, both in my online interactions and in my sermons, to talk about my political opinions with a certain degree of, let's say, bipartisanship, to talk about the things God calls us to, independent of political affiliation. And I've tried to do so without necessarily showing my hand and showing which way I plan to vote or which way I thought others ought to have voted. That being said, um, it has been revealed to me that my efforts were not all that successful. (laughs) Apparently, subtlety uh, and playing my hand close to the chest are not exactly skills that I have. I think an honest reflection of the things that I've said would show that my opinions were pretty clear. But I hope that there's one politically neutral value that was underneath all of my partisanship, and that's activism, that faith requires us to do something, that being a follower of Christ is exactly that, following. The gospel demands a response in every aspect, every facet of our lives. Now, as an act of public confession, I'll admit that at least some, maybe more than some, of my well-intentioned attempts at online discussion were sort of like what Paul calls a boxer beating the air aimlessly. Uh, Perhaps it's just me, but every now and then I'll read something and I'll have this sudden urge to say something immediately and publicly. And unfortunately, Facebook gives me the platform on which to say something both immediately and publicly, but not always productively. Activism is well and good, but we're about to enter, or we are entering, a season of waiting. Advent's a time of preparation, a time of expectation. Last week on Christ the King Sunday, We are reminded of our king and his kingdom that has already been established, but Advent then reminds us that we are still waiting for his return. Celebrating them back to back gives us this already but not yet of the Christian life. And so this morning's readings transition us into this not-yetness, out of declaring what is into hoping for what is to come. In Isaiah, we read about the mountain of the Lord's temple being established. Now in context, These verses are right in the middle of Isaiah writing about Israel's failure to walk in the ways of the Lord. This morning's reading ended with, let us walk in the light of the Lord, which is immediately followed by, you, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. So we're already given an example of how to look forward while in the midst of what seems to be anything but the kingdom of God. Even as Isaiah is describing God abandoning his people, which might be more accurately described him allowing them to continue to abandon him. He writes these verses, that there will be a time in which people won't ignore God's commandments, but will come to the mountain of the Lord to Zion and receive instruction, and in response, give up war, that they're instructed in God's ways and they will no longer learn the ways of war. These two are set in contrast. This is the first step in living in expectation of God's coming, to spend time hearing about what his coming will look like, to allow ourselves to be given visions and pictures of the life of the world to come so we know what it is we are expecting and anticipating. And while Isaiah gives us that vision, this morning we also heard from Romans and from the Gospel of Matthew, which give us a more stark call to prepare, not just to wait and hope, but to actually prepare ourselves. Jesus describes the coming of the day of the Lord like a flood showing up suddenly and swiftly, with people in the field being swept away. But the unexpectedness of his coming is not the point. It leads us to the point, which is being ready. Jesus doesn't say, it is coming suddenly, so that's it. 
He says it's coming suddenly, so be prepared. Stay awake. Paul also uses sleep language in Romans 13. Now is the time to awake from sleep. We use that as a response at the beginning of our service. He talks about living in the light of day instead of night, about keeping our watch. There's a song that puts it this way. There's faith and there's sleep. We need to pick one, please, because faith is to be awake. To be awake is for us to think, and for us to think is to be alive. The reason we are to awake out of sleep is because of the already not yetness of the kingdom of God. We're called to be awake, to prepare and look for the coming of God, because sometimes it appears that things aren't as they should be, that we can't see God already working, and we don't see how to properly anticipate the coming of God. The world around us seems to not behave in a particular way, and so it is very easy to be lulled into sleep to think that God isn't coming. We would maybe live as if God doesn't exist. This is like sleepwalking. It's very easy to live as if God hasn't already changed the world once, and that he won't come to completely restore and renew all things in the future. And so the call for us this morning is not to focus on the unexpectedness of the coming, or to try and decipher what the signs look like so we can pinpoint and know when he is coming. Don't get distracted and spend your time trying to work out elaborate geopolitical situations that match Jesus' words. In one sense, partially because I think it's those concerns and Jesus' apocalyptic words actually are about something that happened only a few decades later when the temple was destroyed. But more importantly, that's focusing on God's role. When you focus so much on interpreting signs so that we know exactly when God's coming, you're missing the point. Jesus isn't saying, figure out the day when God is coming. He's saying, prepare yourself for God's coming. That's your role, walking in the daytime, as Paul says. And here's the thing. When Paul describes walking in the daytime, it doesn't look different than any other description of living righteously. Think about that list that was read that we should avoid, the walking in the darkness list. Orgies, drunkenness, sensuality, sexual immorality, quarreling, and jealousy. This isn't a list of things that otherwise morally people do, but since the Lord is coming, they might change. It's not an extra heaped-on bit of morality. This righteousness isn't in addition to regular righteousness. It is simply a description of righteousness. The call for preparation is the same as the call to repentance. It's the same as calling to put on the armor of light. Being mindful of Christ's coming keeping his first advent in our memory and his second advent as our inspiration simply helps us inform and spur our righteous living. This morning in the collect, we ask God to give us the grace to cast off the works of darkness. And that collect, while appropriate for advent, would make sense any other time of year. What this tells us is that we're not called to live righteous lives simply because it is better for us now or even simply because it'll pay off in the future later. We're called to live righteous lives because doing so is to be awake to the truth that God is returning. It is living in anticipation. It is embodying the already while we wait for the not yet. And the way that happens is beginning to look at ourselves, to be instructed, not just to instruct. Advent is a season of waiting and anticipation, and so I think many of us would benefit from a season of listening, of prayer, of self-reflection. I say this to you as a means for public accountability that I'm going to try and spend this Advent saying very little about my own opinions or thoughts or insights into American political life, as good or probably as bad as they are. Before I spend any more time, 
adding ammunition to my argument of why someone else needs to get their act together. I need to wake up, stop quarreling, and get my own house in order. And then from there, once we've reflected, once we've allowed God to start coming into our own lives, we can then have that pour out to others. Maybe we can awaken others to the light that has come into the world and even now is coming. There's a few paragraphs from our bishop's Advent letter that he sent out to the diocese this year that struck me. He said, the Christian hope is more than a mere consolation for the future. It consists of nothing less than the aspiration to historically transform relationships between human beings. Christians are witnesses to a promise that evokes this news throughout history. The church, as a practical and effective sign of Christian hope, should be a transformative force that prepares the world for the second coming of Christ. And the world cannot disconnect the church from its prophetic vocation and its commitment to Christ in the midst of human society. It's not ultimately a call for us to never engage with society. But if we're not preparing ourselves, how are we ever going to be able to be light to the world? If we've not ourselves received from God, how can we give to others? And so Christ the King inspires me and makes me want to go out and do things immediately. But Advent and these readings remind me, slow down. Wait until you hear from God first. It seems as if there's no end to problems in the world. And the more we listen and open our eyes and look for those who are marginalized, I feel like we discover even more problems that we were blind to before. But I pray that for now, we find ourselves waking out of sleep, out of patterns and rituals of this world, May Advent awaken us to walking in the light. Out of the ever-present demand to buy, take, break, and throw away more consumer goods. Out of the constant temptation to vilify others, to put other people in boxes, to have a category of them, and to then simplify other people. Out of the ever-present need to be right instead of good. Calling us away from that voice that tells us to love our neighbor after we've loved ourselves with whatever leftover love we have. There is this sleepiness, this haziness that we all need to awake from. And many of us are lulled into sleep by the road noise of this world, like an infant in a car seat, slowly lulled into sleepiness. Now next week we're going to hear a call to repentance from John the Baptist, so I don't want to preempt him here. But I ask that we start this season of anticipation by spending some time in prayer and reflection, in listening to God who is even now calling us to wake up from the rhythms of this world that have lulled us into sleep, to be awake and fully alive in the light of Christ, who has come and is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.